Episode 383, Back from the Dead. Hello and welcome, and thank you for joining me. I hope you're all doing okay. We seem to be getting towards the end of the great pandemic, and uh, we're getting some of our freedoms back again. So I just hope you're all staying safe and keeping healthy, you know. So I watched a YouTube video, <laughs> not unlike me, of course, but uh, and, and I'll mention it at, at the beginning of the podcast, which one it was and who did it. And uh, if you want to pause, stop and <laughs> have a watch, you can do that. And if you don't, it's fine. You'll get the complete, <laughs> the complete info. Uh, there's a YouTuber called Tom Scott, and he's recently done a, a YouTube video about microwaves. Uh, and I was watching that and uh, I found it thoroughly interesting. Um, and if you continue to listen to this, <laughs> you're probably going to get a lot of the premise of uh, of what's in that YouTube video. So if you really want to enjoy it, you're already a follower. And a big shout out to him as well. Um, we're more popular than me. But yeah, please, if, if you if you want to get the lowdown on that, then uh, feel free to pause me, stop me and, and watch that and come back. For everybody else, here we go. <laughs> so many years ago... Uh, I heard a story. Um, well, I saw read about it, and this is sort of um, before the internet, you know. And uh, you, you might read something in a book, or someone might mention something they'd read read about an article. Um, and I think this story is actually very interesting um, how it was conveyed. But um, during the Cold War, for a long period of the um, the twentieth century. Um, certainly the, the Russians um, weren't very over-communicative, over shall we say, with the West uh, for all sorts of political reasons which are, you know, beyond the scope of this podcast. But um, they, they, you know, they were very good at science and space and things and uh, it definitely was a, a, you know, it was a disadvantage for everyone that, you know, um, we didn't have, a, you know, access to that. But a story came out, and this was, um, I suppose, after the fall of the Berlin Wall and the breakdown of the uh, the USSR, uh, a story came out, and uh, like any story, and I mean, story normally means fiction, <laughs> you sort of take it with a pinch of salt, but it's a fascinating one, um, and I'm going to convey it to you now. So basically, um, at some point in the 20th century, I'm assuming it was after the Second World War, after 1945, probably before the 1970s. Um, there was a submarine, a Russian submarine, um, and it was doing uh, in international waters in the North Atlantic. And uh, like a lot of submarines, they, they, they do have to come up occasionally. I'm sure they've designed them now so they can stay on the water for a long time, but they come up occasionally. Anyway, this particular submarine... Whenever it was, I, I'm thinking in the 1960s. It could have been earlier than the 1950s, but I think the 1960s, during the peak of the the Cold War, when there was uh, a lot of tension going on, there was not much communication about things. Um, the submarine, you know, came up in the North Atlantic, and it was obviously near icebergs. Um, and there was a particular iceberg that caught their eye. Um, there was a black, dark patch on the side of it, and. Uh, it, obviously, it hits something had hit it. I mean, the iceberg obviously moves as well, but I mean, it looked like something had hit it. The first thing is you think it's a ship, you know. So um, they sort of sailed towards it because it was a bit of a curiosity mod, anything. 
Uh, and there was like a, a plateau, a flat piece at the top of the iceberg. And there was a little black dot on the top of this iceberg. Real, just a jet black, tiny little dot. Now, I don't know how far they were away. Maybe a few miles, you know, um, maybe binoculars to go see closer. But um, they decided just to investigate. I, I suppose if you're you're a submarine crew, you're away from home for like six months or a year, and, you know, you see something a little bit unusual, oh, go have a look at that, you know. Is it a bear? I suppose polar bears are white, aren't they? Well, they're Irish, but that's a subject for a different podcasts. But uh, so they investigated, and it was um, it was a person. It was a woman. Um, it was a body, obviously. Um, they weren't alive. Um, lying on the top of an iceberg. And they were wearing, well, Victorian, early 20th century, very, um, shall we say, very... Um, Posh would be the word that springs to mind, but quite well-to-do clothes, all black, uh, a hat, um, very well presented. Um, and, they, and they noticed that the, the, this woman, a young woman, I think in her 20s, um, was frozen solid, completely frozen solid, you know. And they looked, they looked at her and a lipstick, she had red lipstick on, and it was so fresh looking. It was like... You know, and this was probably, well, the assumption is this was the Titanic. This was a somebody who'd got off the Titanic onto the iceberg and died because of the cold. This is, this is the assumption, certainly from how the story was being retold. And it became evident to the people at the scene that that's what happened here, you know, that this, this young woman was, well, not necessarily a first-class passenger, but somebody who hadn't got to a lifeboat and ended up actually on the iceberg itself, the one that, the ship had hit, you know. Uh, and the, I think what sh- what really got to the, the crew of this submarine was the fact that she was perfectly preserved. Obviously, she wasn't alive. She's frozen solid, you know. Uh, and it was, yeah, the, the, she was quite incredible a sight, you know, because it, she just looked perfect, apart from being frozen solid. And this would have been like maybe 30, 40 years after the Titanic had, had sunk, maybe more than actually. Um and I know the icebergs do move around. I mean, the iceberg had been heading south um, for five or six years before the Titanic hit it. Um, but because of the temperature of the water, it, I think it forms a barrier, so it doesn't keep going south. Or if it did, it'd just melt away, wouldn't it, I suppose? I'm not an expert in icebergs, to be honest. So they saw that, and, uh, and they wondered what to do, and uh, the order came was to um, keep her frozen, and bring 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 her back to uh, to Russia, you know, and to be analysed scientifically, and uh, you know, and I, I think the you know the, there's not much said about where where she was taken to or anything like that in Russia, but there was some very serious scientific attempts that were taken to try and warm her up, in some ways to bring her back from the dead, you know, and to bring her alive again. They were unsuccessful; they didn't work, but. It was an interest. It's a really interesting story. Now, you know what? Someone could have made that up, um, but my feeling was, if they'd have made it up, <laughs> the ending would have been, "Oh, we brought her back to life." You know, that sort of way. If you know what I mean. But it's interesting, and it, you know, it's one of the things I've always thought about because there are lots of medical treatments now where they they, they literally put you on ice, um, you know, to work on you. Um, I heard a, a story, I read a story and heard it as well actually about a, a, a woman in the 60s who had a heart attack as she was approaching her house and she'd been shopping and her family was there 
And um, it just so happened that the hospital near to her was one of the most advanced in the world for resuscitation. And they said to her, have you got any frozen food in? Put it, put it next to her when she's helicoptered to the hospital. And she was brought back to life. You know, now, okay, it was a heart attack and, you know, it wasn't that serious, but they resuscitated her and she was fine, you know. And it did get me thinking about this. You know, if, you, if someone's frozen, could you bring them back to life, you know? And uh, I was watching uh, Tom Scott and his uh, thing about microwaves. And, and basically in the 1940s and 1950s, some very serious tests were done uh, with um, mice. <laughs> they, would freeze the, they would freeze the mice, but also at the same time injecting them with like an antifreeze. Um, and the reason for that is, um, well, it's the anomalous expansion of water. And I'm, I'm sure you're all familiar with that from your school days. But when you freeze water, it expands. And the problem with that is it means it damages. It damages the cells, the little tiny cell walls and stuff in the body. So by injecting the, the mouse with this antifreeze, ethylene glycol or whatever, at the same time as freezing it, it preserved these very delicate um, cell walls. And you have a frozen mouse, I mean, technically dead. And they did experience, it was dead now. They warmed it up with various heaters and things with a, re a reasonable amount of success. Um, maybe 50% of the, the mice came back to life again, you know, just heating them up. Um, but they were, usually were very burns. Maybe they had burns on them. You know, it wasn't nice. So the, uh, the scientist, I'm not going to mention his name. He's, he's in the, he's in the <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for Tom Scott. Yeah, it, it, the scientists decide, well, why don't we try is it dithermia, dithermic heating, um, and for those in the know, that's uh, essentially microwaves. Um, it's basically, my, you know, radiation at a certain frequency that is right to cause water particles to oscillate, so they heat up. Yeah, microwave ovens. Yes, it's, it's the same technology. In those days, though, there wasn't the microwave ovens we have now, and it worked. It worked really well. So basically, he a guy gave a magnetron. The, whoever were developing the magnetrons, these the, the internals of a microwave, he was asked to borrow one. They gave him one, and he built a little metal box, which is great for reflecting this heat wave, if you like. Um, and it works. They could warm up the mice, and the mice, boom, came back to life. And they got it so to a T. They had mice that repeatedly frozen solid. They could bring back perfectly healthy, back to life again. Um, and they lived a long life, you know, it was incredible. To think you could bring an animal back to life from the dead is just, it's mind-boggling, isn't it, you know? So, so uh, and just brought me back to a little bit when I was doing physics, when I was in college, and uh, one day, one of the, uh, I don't know, he wasn't, he was a teacher, he wasn't a professor, he, he the teacher, he'd, he'd set up a magnetron on one side of the class, and they said, this is a magnetron, it produces microwave energy. And we're all sitting there, oh, that's great, you know. And put your hand in front of it and you could feel the heat. I'm not sure that would be allowed today now, putting your hand in front of it. But uh, it's a very narrow beam, that's the only thing. So you put your hand and you can feel the beam and then you put it away, it's gone again. That's why microwaves nowadays have all sorts of clever technology. That's why the turntable rotates. That's why the beam comes in a certain angle and it bounces off the sides and it tries to spread out the heat. But getting back to back from the dead, um, they were able to bring back, um, yeah, mice. They could bring them back to life using microwave heat energy after they'd been frozen solid. And it was very repeatable and measurable. And it worked. It was incredible. 
I'm still I'm still blown away now just talking about it. I think it's just it's mind-boggling for me, you know. So, well, here we are, seventy years later. Why are we? Why are we bringing you know humans back from being frozen solid? And I do do a, a podcast about cryogenics, where people have had their heads frozen or their bodies frozen, hopeful that one day they can be defrosted and come back to life. But um, it it doesn't work that way, and uh, it wasn't scalable. I mean, that's the the heel of the home. That's the uh, the problem, you, you know, mice, you can, a small enough a creature, you can get the ethylene glycol saturated into them quick enough as you freeze them. But anything bigger, a rabbit, a dog, a human, it's just too large. It just doesn't scale. It's just impossible. And uh, the ice crystals cause immeasurable damage internally, and it uh, doesn't work, I'm afraid. So, But it's still, it's still an incredible thing. You know, that even if it was these poor mice. <laughs> Sounds awful cruel now, I know. Um, but just incredible to think that you could bring uh, an animal um, back from the dead. Wow. 